Pellicle is proudly sponsored by Lochran Brewers Select, a seventh-generation family-owned business based near Dundalk in Ireland. In 2014, James Lochran established Lochran Brewing Stores in order to supply high-quality brewing ingredients to the burgeoning beer industries in the UK, Ireland and mainland Europe. The business expanded in 2022 when ingredient wholesaler Brewers Select joined the Lochran family, expanding its suppliers within the brewing ingredient and raw material industry. Some of those suppliers include Crosby Hops, a family-owned hop farm in Oregon, USA, Baird's Malt here in the UK, and industry-leading yeast producer Lalamond. Thanks to their support, we're able to pay more writers, photographers, and illustrators than ever before, and invest in special projects like this podcast. Thanks again to Lochran Brewers Select, who you can find out more about by visiting brewersselect.co.uk forward slash pellicle. And now... Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast with me, Matthew Curtis, episode 51. Part two of our interview with Tom and Ol Fozard of Roosters Brewing in Harrogate, North Yorkshire. If you are listening to this episode, number 51, and you haven't listened to episode 50, the first half of this interview, then you must go back and listen to that episode now. Otherwise, this one will make absolutely no sense whatsoever. You really need to go back to episode 50. In fact, if you're here listening to the Pellicle podcast, why not dig into our archives? Maybe start around episode 18, where this format, where I do a lot of talking close to the mic, that's where it kind of finds its feet. But go back earlier if you wish, if you want to get the whole platinum achievement for listening to all the episodes. But for now, the main reason I presume you're here is for the second half of this interview with Tom and Ol. So let's get straight into it. So when did you complete the move to uh, to here in Harrogate? Completed. We the first first brew we did here was July nineteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Yankee. Yeah. Um, it had to be because um, the FVs were the only bits of brew house kit that we brought with us. Um, the brew house that's in now, which um, is a four vessel. It's a four vessel system, thirty UK barrel. Um, yeah, it, uh, I designed it. Um, I drew it and and went down to a manufacturer in Burton on Trent. And what's the significance of the bit of copper pipe welded onto it? That seems to, that that seems uh, oh, right. almost deliberate. Yeah, it, it is. I don't know if it's superstition or what, but I'd heard. So on the mass I'm, con- I'm quite superstitious. So I'm quite <laughs> interested to hear. On this. the mass conversion vessel, there is a small section of inch and a half copper and also on the Lauterton um, and I'd heard I think it was maybe back in the 60s that Tetley's had when they put their new brew house in back in the 60s when they were in Leeds um, they had a an internal calandria in the in, in the brew kettle and it had like a a lid to stop the boil from you know raising uh, spraying everyone in the face and all so the boil would come up and hit the inside of this lid and come back down um, and they did away with it 
when they brought the, built the new kit and they brewed and they had real problems with their fermentations and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Same FVs, I believe. Um, and then it was, I think one of the brewers just realised that there was something missing from the new kettle. So he went outside and got a little bit of copper out of the skip or something and, and hung it in the middle of the kettle. Um, and the fermentations transformed back to how they were. And it was that the elements of the trace metal so uh, is, is what was down to. So, yeah, when I, um, I was conscious of designing this and building this, that um, the old site, the the old hydrator that Sean had built, it was a, a drain pipe with a bit of copper piping with loads of perforated holes in it. <laughs> um, so I figured I, I, I didn't, I measured it and I worked out the surface area of the copper and made sure that leading up to the hydrator on this kit, there's the same surface area of copper. And likewise, the spar jams were made out of copper, whereas the stainless steel on here. So I've got the same surface area of both spar jams on the pipe work to sparge. And from day one, first brew we did, fermented absolutely as we wanted, as we'd expect. Um, to this day, I don't know whether it was down to the copper or not, but um, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I think that sort of yeah. thing's important. You know, it, it, you, you can't leave leave these things to fate or chance. There, there was a lot of there's a lot of other changes as well that we were I was making in designing the kit that could affect the um, the flavour profile of the beer from moving tight. Luckily, we're not too far away from Nairsborough, so the water profile's not too dissimilar. But um, we moved away from. Um, 100% leaf. We still do use hot leaves, but a lot of what is pellet. Um, the kettle I designed the kettle. The surface area of the of the steam jacket and the kettle is the same surface area as the old kettle, but just upscale, prorated, um, just so we could try and get I could achieve the same boil um, and not impart too much bitterness, and just keep, try and keep keep as much the same as I could. But I actually wanted to change a lot <laughs> from an operational point of view, you know. And we did, we took a similar approach, partly out of necessity, um, because we couldn't just down tools and stop brewing whilst this was um, being finished off. But we, we, we brewed and packaged um, on both sites um, for maybe a four or six week period. I think we were still, you know, th so there was, there was beers going out that were brewed here at the same time that there was beers leaving that were brewed on the old site. Um, and again, it was partly because, and we, we didn't sort of divulge that at the time because we didn't want someone going, oh, you've moved, it tastes different. It's like, well, actually what you're drinking is from the new, uh, from the old site or vice versa or whatever. So we kind of, um, yeah, put that to the test quite early on really. And it, if you, uh, you know, it, yeah, if you, give, if you give someone something to look at or look for, they'll find it whether it's there or not. You know what I mean? It's, if you tell them that we're going to move, and they try and second guess when you have moved, they'll, you know, so it's like, well, just don't tell anyone. And we'll, um, you know, luckily the, the quality from both sides was still the same and we were able to make that transition. And Yeah. And then we, at the same time, when we were moving over here, so we installed the tap room on site here, which we hadn't had before. Um, and that opened in the May of 2019. So there was a good almost three months where we were serving beer that was obviously brewed down on the old site, serving it in the tap room here, and we've got a large fume window directly into the brewery um, where people were able to 
come and drink their beer and basically watch a brewery be built yeah. around them. Um, now they can come and look through the window and see exactly either you know if they just join the day and we're working or if it's in the evening and we're not. They can at least look and appreciate where it's come from. But back then it was watchers build a brewery and hopefully have a nice nice time yeah uh, yeah i mean it, it's a really great tap room as well um it is very much in the american tap room model with the difference being there's eight handfuls which i think is that's a, that's a healthy amount uh, of of cast beer which is i'm very pleased to see how significant was having that that tap room that sort of direct to consumer offering here on site uh, massively in terms of the additional rent we pay here and the rates and everything you know it, it had to form part of the model for the and you've got more beer to sell and we've got more beer to sell but it, it, it formed part of the model where the tap room basically covers its share of of the rent and rates of the site um and it i mean i i having you know it's music to me as you saying it's an american it's got an american feel to it it is very american inspired the layout of the building dictated the shape of it to a large degree and fortunately for us it meant that we the obvious thing to do was put in this massive viewing window that separates the the brewery from the tap room but you know i've been to i've actually i don't know i've been to the states that many times either with work or on holiday and just you know surround myself with that beer culture over there in certain cities so it definitely played a massive part into how we did there's a, a small amount of german beer hall in terms of the way we went with the um the tables and um, just to sort of um, because it's an industrial site so it kind of fits you know I wasn't about to try and put like some throw cushions in or anything like that you know it has <laughs> to suit it has to suit the, the, the sort of yes, surroundings yeah, we're on an industrial estate yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a very comfortable purpose built tap room I mean we would have when we were Harrogate's not blessed with warehouse building or industrial building it's not built on industry like that it's built on posh people bathing in its waters for, for medicinal purposes it's not, like it's not an industrial estate it's a business park yes yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a business park indeed um, I mean so, well Harrogate's where all the people who had all this industry in, in places like Manchester and Leeds or whatever that's where they built the, the houses the, the people with the money would come here and, yeah. and, and drink the um, what they believe to be medicinal healing waters, waters yeah. which is now your brewing water uh, slightly more refined than it was back <laughs> yes, then but I, yeah. I imagine so but um, we um, yeah so we but, but we weren't blessed when it came to choices in terms of, or much choice in terms of building, but like this building is, I, couldn't, I personally just get a kick out of walking into this every day still. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a great find in, in, you know, at the right time we were looking. I would have been content with, from a taproom point of view, I would have been content with a much smaller place, which might have been, it's Friday, get those malt pallets out of the way and we're going to put some chairs up and we've got a bar here kind of thing. And just, because I wanted that direct consumer thing, I think, you know, I just wanted, I'd seen what other people have and wanted some, some level of it. What we've ended up with is, I think, I mean, the tap room is give or take 170 capacity. We've got a beer garden that probably is 120 in addition to that, and then we've got a private event space upstairs, which is 140. Now, other than the festival we did this year, we've never seen every all three of those full at any one time. If it's nice weather, everyone's outside. If it's crap weather, they're inside or whatever. But we've got we've reached a point with the success of the tap room that you can come in on a at five o'clock on a Saturday, and you, you'd be lucky to get a seat. You know, we do for for being in the corner of a you know business park and you know it's quite I, i'm very very chuffed and touched at what we've been able to achieve there and i think it's 
it's down to us having a quality product and you know um knowing what we're doing but there's an awful, awful lot of trust that kind of comes back to us and, and um it's a really hugely rewarding part of of what we do especially given how well the state of the world to be perfectly honest with you at the moment it's i think we should probably talk about that a bit as well um but just just if you know for those of you listening at home even though tom said you won't find a seat if you come at five o'clock on a saturday don't let that put you off you should come and try and find a seat i was just gonna just briefly say i it's still it's we, we are on a business park we've got other side of the railway line there's lots of chimney pots as well so we've got there's the locals you know there is a local um sort of community and, and you know people live people, here yeah. people live here walk the dogs and all that and it's really it's still really really it's really nice for me when coming to the tap room to see so many familiar faces still you know constantly frequenting it but also you can tell when someone hasn't been here before because when they walk in it's nice when you see a familiar face walk in but when you, you see people who haven't been here before and they walk in through the double doors and they're like oh wow wasn't expecting this you know it's yeah, yeah it's and yeah, yeah, it makes I mean, it all worthwhile. Yeah, and yeah, we're not at capacity every every single. You know, we're open six days a week. Our autumn and winter hours, we were open seven days a week in the summer. It's not like we're at capacity the whole time, but it's when we took the site on. I remember my dad, not necessarily being needing to be convinced by me and all, but we fell in love with this site straight away. And when I was like, well, logically, that's where a tap room would go, and he was just like, but look at the size of it. Look how big that's going to be you know you you're kidding yourself if you think that many people are going to come down to this neck of the woods so that's why i mentioned that it genuinely you can come in on 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 certain saturdays or certain friday after work and it just be standing room only it's because i'm incredibly proud of that um but yeah don't let it put you off because we do have a lovely beer garden as well indeed indeed but unfortunately 10 months after you opened it you had to close it again because we went into lockdown the first of uh, of two long lockdowns and um not to dwell too much on that because it wasn't a very nice time we've come out of that into a very different beer market a much more challenging beer market where you are you know you said you were already paying significantly more rent moving into this site on top of that all of your raw material costs have gone up all of your business rates sorry you suddenly look very uncomfortable (laughs) i'm sorry the price of everything has due to inflation increased significantly so how has that been for you and 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 how have you tried to to adapt to the current trading conditions um i mean it's the joined up short answer is it's bloody tough and it's it takes a lot of what i would describe the previous levels of enjoyment out of it seem to be fewer and far between at the moment absolutely love what we do um but yeah, I mean, I think and speaking to lots of friends in the industry, it's, it, it, it seems less fun and it shouldn't necessarily be all about fun, but we all are doing this because we love doing it. We're not doing it because we want to retire to our own private islands. It's not that industry. You know, the money isn't there by and large. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just tougher. It, it, it makes, you know, it's made us more determined. It, it, you know, we've, we've, we've just got to get our heads down and, and, continue to do what we do best and um and i think you know that's about all we can do um it's it's it is really really tough to be perfectly honest with you and it's it's um i don't know if i mean we're, we're again we're best the, the tap room's absolutely flying and i don't know if it's because harrogate's in its own kind of like it's its own pocket within the north of england you know it's an affluent place so we, we are we do benefit from that but i mean away from the tap room the market in general obviously it's it's 
it became very heavily saturated because why wouldn't someone want to open a brewery? It's a fun thing to do. The market became heavily saturated. It's it's obviously then become massively squeezed because our customers are in turn are squeezed. The people who are buying the beer are squeezed by you know hikes in mortgage rates and gas prices and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's just uh, yeah it, it it just is less fun is 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 that. But I mean hopefully what we do see is people people's approach to beer whether they are at the craftiest in inverted commas end of the end of their their enjoyment of beer or if they're at the entry level really kind of like excited by this new thing to them end of the scale all the way to the hardened drinkers who have been been around drinking roosters for 30 years or whatever fingers crossed what we will see is that people will will treat our beer and other breweries similar to us as their um well as a treat as a as a luxury experience so hopefully you know it's a reward for people who are, who whilst they might be scrap uh, strapped for cash um at least kind of give that to themselves as their kind of end of week thing on monthly however often they they sort of go for it um you know i felt it when working back in the pubs when the crash happened 15 years ago um and again, I don't know if it's just a Harrogate thing or not. I can't. I wasn't anywhere else. I can only talk about what it was like there. But we definitely found there was a, there was a there was a drop in in footfall. But the people who were going out were definitely using it as an experience to make them feel, make themselves have a nice time and feel good in and amongst everything else that's circling around them. Yeah, I think sort of my thought when when you asked that question, uh, that was. Uh, from from a production point of view, um, we've we've seen a lot of support um, from suppliers, um, um, and and it's it's kind of testament to relationships that we as a company have built up with with our suppliers, and you know the it's not just support um, from them to us. It's we you know we've tried to support our customers um, and, and just recognize and even um, you know there's still there's a very um, there's a very strong bond that we certainly see with, within the within the industry within the brewing industry with what should be competitors you know but they're actually friends and there's a really sort of strong bond and I know there's a lot of it, for me it's been it's all about supporting each other and and well as competitors we're, it's like less than 5% of the market you yeah, know, that we're, yeah. We're, we're within isn't it the, exactly the but yeah I just well, you know we, we've it, it's just it's you know supporting you know I, I go and support my local pubs where you know where possible um, because I see that they support us by buying our beer, and you know, and, and I, I'll just I, I will I'll drink my, my mates' beers as well, and I just feel it's all there's a real sort of for me this is, you know it's all about supporting people and and just riding the storm as I see it and keeping your head above water and yeah and it's it's not unique to us in any shape but it's it, it's, it just post pandemic um, slightly before pandem- pandemic don't want to go political but there's. It does seem as like this, it's just one thing after another, which is why I say, when I say it's it's less fun, it's not like I say we want to be coming to you know we're we're here to do a job and create um, you know really good beer and stuff. But I definitely it just feels a bit more of a grind than than I think it ever has. 
yeah I think it's been getting more and more a grind since to June the 24th 2016 to be honest yeah, without getting we, we, we don't, we, we'll have another hour there might be that. something in that yeah, yeah. but um, for those that, that need a bit of context there that is the day uh, the uh, the country voted to walk off a cliff and uh, leave the EU um, I don't mind getting political it's my podcast <laughs> um, something I want to dig into a couple more things I want to talk about we've been talking for a long time and I'm, I'm ready for that that beer I mentioned an hour ago but you mentioned um, I can't quite remember what you said, but the way you're, that roosters are perceived, and I think it's you, you're almost perceived as a traditional brewery. Thirty years is a long time in UK brewing. That's a lifetime. That's a, that's a generation. Um, uh, but you've you've had this brewery for twelve years, but you didn't get to. It's interesting talking to you and how if you look at a brewery that opened around the same time as you brought this, a Magic Rock, for example, they got to build a brand from scratch. But you had to work with something that already existed, which was important, and you you've worked to preserve that legacy. But what's that frustration that you you like the best? Like you you wish you were more known. I can almost see like oh, I wish we were part of this. You know, you mentioned uh, like Beaver Town as well earlier in, in 2016 before they sold. They were one of the most exciting breweries in the country. Um, is there a frustration that you you maybe didn't get a piece of that? Um. Not, a, I mean, frustration, yes, but not necessarily for that reason. I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple of things to say. I mean, being thirty years old, you know, um, we are not new and shiny. Whether that's some a brewery that's five years or under, or whether it's a brewery that's ten years old and extremely successful, who's who's entered a market where a path has already been trodden by the likes of Sean Franklin and Roosters, you know, before us. Um, but we, we sort of sit in this middle ground where we're not new and shiny and we're not being able to kind of shout as loudly, but nor are we 250 years old in a family brewery or, you know, um, get the plaudits for, for that incredible heritage that goes with it. We kind of sometimes feel a little bit sort of stuck in the middle. The frustration that comes with that is knowing what Sean did and what Roosters did for this market. I mean, anecdotally, this isn't the point I was going to make, but anecdotally, I was at a craft brewers conference in Philadelphia um, eight years ago, whenever it was, at an event um, that Garrett Oliver was doing with Thornbridge, and he came round. I couldn't get into that. Oh, I, I don't. I, I stood outside the bar and went, I'm not even going to I still don't know how door. I got in, but I got, I got in and... I was down the road having one of the best steaks in my life. <laughs> I got in and got... Um, managed to get a seat and Garrett came around and he was doing this talking about this incredible beer he'd done with Thornbridge and I think he saw like, which was Serpent right Serpent yeah, yeah. so um, but then he saw I had like a Roosters pin badge on and he just basically stopped and in front of whoever was around the table there was like eight, eight different people from different UK breweries and he basically was like right I'm going to tell you a story about Roosters um, like completely like you know I, I, I didn't it was lovely and I didn't know what to do with it and I still don't but he basically went uh, Sean Franklin invented the Session IPA and basically told everyone around that table and there might have been someone from Beavertown I've no idea we were with that sort of group of people lots of young um, younger breweries than us and he basically just went you guys need to understand the importance of Sean Franklin and Roosters Brewery and he invented the Session IPA because he invented mid-strength American hop, hop forward aromatically led pale ales and he was like that's what a session IPA kind of was grew out of over the years so it's really nice to hear that we've got all that kind of heritage but like I say we're sort of sat in the middle of other breweries younger breweries who picked the baton up and run and older breweries who can trade on you know like Harvey's Best or something like that you know incredible beer incredible old brewery 
and get talked about by in, in, in glowing ways because of the, the age and heritage of that brewery. So we're somewhere sort of stuck in the middle, despite that innovative thing. And the innovative side of what me and all and our dad did with bringing canning, you know, we're beaten to the punch by those three breweries in London by a few months and things like that. Roosters has been innovative and ha- is there. I think one thing is we don't shout perhaps as loudly as, as, as others is because we knew we knew we'd inherited a sort of ethos from Sean. He's quite, you know, he's naturally quite a shy guy and, and um, just got his head down and got on with stuff. Um, but in coming back to you saying about, you know, do you, do you wish we'd been able to kind of like do that from scratch and, and create our own thing, you know, our own um, brand from, from the ground up? We, we were working on that and we had that um, as an option. And I think the reason we, and I don't regret it, the reason that we took Roosters on was from, it, it offered, we've never actually spoken about this, but I think this is, it popped in my head when you mentioned or asked the question. For me, Roosters offered, it ticked all the boxes where I was 12 years ago, um, still exploring US and exciting hops and Roosters has that heritage of, of being the brewery that was at the forefront of that in the UK, but still being cask only and being traditional because it was cask only, it hadn't bothered Sean wasn't interested in bottles back then. He hadn't decided to look into what, even though he was very, very ahead of the curve of what was going on in the States, he wasn't, he didn't see canning coming, you know, and that sort of thing. He was very happy with what he had. I think personality-wise between me and all, whilst we both, cask is probably, I would say, our favourite form of drinking beer, I'm probably a bit more... um, contemporary in my, in my approach I think by working at the beer shop and by exploring a bit more whereas you you went into brewing and working for a couple of in completely different ways traditional breweries and cat, who were cast led as well sorry this is a very long winded way to say Roosters tick, ticked a lot of boxes it offered that contemporary innovative kind of thing but it also ticked the box of being still a traditional brewery yeah I think I, I, just to come back to something that <clears throat> Tom discussed a bit earlier so when I was at the, the brewery uh, previous brewery um, and Tom was at Beer Ritz um, so I was brewing there as production brewer and and without going into too much detail but there'd be you know coming after a weekend and I'd tried a few beers in the pub or I'd be you know going around to Tom's house and he's got Tom introduced me to Odell and you know and I'd go back to work on the Monday and they say you know have a good weekend you know, did I tell you what I tried this beer this beer this beer and all and they weren't interested did you try any of ours uh, no right, well not, not bothered then so I had this kind of sheltered sort of blinkered kind of view of things um, but one thing I, I did, you know, didn't mention when we were talking about Roosters and Sean is and my old boss I don't think he'll my first ever boss I don't think he'll listen to this, but I actually um, reached out, as Americans say, to Sean in about two years into my, or 18 months into um, brewing. It was somewhere back end of 2001. And I just, I, you know, have you got any jobs going? He said no. But what he did do, because um, I wrote to him because, you know, before before emails and all of that and um, but what, what was really really good he wrote me a letter back and he said let's meet for a pint and I'll just, just you know just maybe I can 
steer you in, in a direction one way or the other. And what was really interesting, it was the first time I'd been to a pub and seen someone drink two separate, two different halves of beer at the same time, because he was trying two competitors' beers, but just seeing different styles and tasting them, and just sort of, trying, you know, still configuring his palate, if you like. But yeah, we met, um, but he sent me this letter saying, let's go for a beer and, you know, Blah blah blah. We had the chat, but the one thing I'd, I'd totally forgotten about. I just had a look then. Um, the day that we, the keys were handed over, um, I still had that letter from Sean, and I framed it and gave him it back. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, and that was three. Sorry, that was ten years before. That's that was uh, that's two thousand one. Two thousand and one. I think it was August or something. I've got. I've, just, I've still got it on my phone. But yeah, I framed it. I framed his letter and gave it back. He says, "No, you can't come. There's no jobs at Roosters. Sorry." So ten years later, I gave it back. That's that's fantastic. That's that's a wonderful story. And I know we just thank you for answering that more difficult question. I think the nice way to end this chat would be on like you know you're thirty as a brewery. You know that's that's that, like I said that's a lifetime in brewing terms, and you celebrated that this summer with a, a really eclectic mix of, of breweries from the, the, the US and, and UK. What, why, was, why did you want to hold a beer festival? I've done a beer festival, it's a lot of stress uh, for a thing that doesn't last very long. So why was that the way you wanted to, uh, to celebrate? And why did you invite those particular breweries? So again, I'd, want, I'd been to lots of really good beer festivals um, both we've been invited roosters to pour at certain events and then you know go off and try different sort of invitational beer festivals and both I've been to festivals in Scandinavia and in the US and the UK in particular and just really enjoyed how everyone's just got it so every each one has got its own personality and it's it's the personality of the organizers who've, who've pulled it together um, and just always fancy doing it I used to work for the student union after I graduated I worked and I was like the events manager um, for a year so I put on all sorts of things under my own steam and just really enjoyed it. I hadn't done it for ages, but I had that experience. And yeah, when we moved here, we kind of wanted to do, we wanted to do some sort of celebration of of the new site at some point. And it was that we were loosely talking about it and it was 2020 and then the pandemic kicked in. So it just naturally obviously got put to one side. And then the 30th anniversary was the perfect excuse to just make it happen. It's worth just, we had on the old site, we had, dipped our toe in sort of um, and a brewery open day type thing and you know yeah which um, but nothing on the scale of success yeah nothing on the scale that we did here and this was ticketed rather than that was just a drop in come and have a come and have a few beers and hopefully we'll attract some people so we did this as a ticketed thing um, and as an invitational rather than that was just come and drink some of our beers and hang out um, in terms of when we sat down um, and, and chose the breweries that we wanted to invite they by and large, if not all of them, are just really close friends that we've made in the industry. Um, and we just wanted to sort of celebrate what we enjoy about it. And, you know, coming back to it earlier, I was saying it's, there's, there's less, it's more of a grind and there's less fun um, or less tangible kind of things to sort of celebrate. Um, at the moment, this was something that was just a joy to do this year. Um, it was stressful at times, but I think we, there were six of us who, formed like an organization committee within the business and and pulled it off to an incredibly high standard and you know i'm not normally someone who kind of like sort of talks so highly talks themselves up or whatever toots but, their own horn uh, yes exactly like that. 
Um, but I think we absolutely nailed it, and we really pulled we pulled together an event that I think puts both the brewery and the and the event for future years on the map. We think slightly differently to, to some of the stuff, um, some of the events over here. So I mentioned like it was slightly American slash Scandinavian inspired in terms of we just did one short, relatively short single session, um, six hours. Um, partly because we've done festivals where you do it's 12 till 5 and then 6 till 11 or whatever and everyone gets a respite for an hour in the middle and you just feel like you're knackered and you can't be bothered and then you've got to plaster a smile on and go again almost or, or there's a temptation just to, to start getting pissed behind the bar and stuff and it's like I didn't really want to do that and I like the idea that we could we could really create a bit of hype around a single session event and then actually what it meant was because we'd invited all these friends from breweries that are friends you know breweries that are friends of ours and then individuals who are friends within those breweries it meant that we could finish at a sensible time and actually just tie one on privately instead so um one of the really so we, yeah the, i'll touch on some of the breweries or i'll can chip in as well in a sec but one of the things that we're both massive um massive part of like our 20s and 30s in particular when we meet up with going to gigs and just really really getting carried away and enjoying live music so we tied on live music to the event um so the event by the way is called suds with buds um again a slightly american um inspired name suds being a some english people didn't understand what suds meant they thought, so i'm sure one of our bar staff part-time members of bar staff thought we were hosting a car wash and i was like no it's it's beer yeah. washing yeah. Cars it's basically beer with friends it's suds with buds um but yeah we um so we 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 put on some really really good live music um you know not necessarily acts that people would necessarily they're not household names but incredible standard and bands of musicians that we enjoy and and, and managed to pull them together so um, and then some incredible street food to go with it. But in terms of the breweries, I think we had 22 or 23 guest breweries, of which six were from the States, from memory. Yeah. And of which three or four of them flew over, especially to pour their beer, which was easily the most heartwarming element of it. I mean, well... Very we, humbling. Humbling, yeah. Heartwarming. I think Evan from Green Cheek, I mean, he rarely doesn't smile, but he was stood there like, I'm in Yorkshire, like in a Casper. Ev- he, Ev- he was in want, Evan wants to be a Yorkshireman. He, he, he proudly <laughs> wishes he was from, come over here. He actually asked me if he could come and live with me for a month. <laughs> like with his wife and kids, like he just wanted to come over. and like, get away from his wife and kids. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, we had... Um, yeah, we invited Evan. Evan's become a really good friend of the brewery since we first met prior to him even being with Green Cheek. Um, so he was, it was a no-brainer. I mentioned it to him when I was over there with him last year. And then we had Jeremy from everywhere who are just going to, are already making waves in, in California. They're only just a year old. So he was formerly at the brewery. Yes, yeah. he was there. Um, B-R-U-E-R-Y. Yes, yeah, that one. he was head of their sour programme. Yeah. Um we had Bailbreaker, all's incredible, you know, really good friends with Kevin from Bailbreaker. We had Odell, so we imported all these beers, air freighted all these beers over. Um, Doug was meant to be with us, but he rang me the night or the two days before his flight got cancelled. So he was just he was at Denver Airport, but he couldn't basically the way he worked his plot. He had lots of connecting flights, and it all just collapsed with the first one being delayed. Um, who else did we have over from the states? We had beer from Crooked Stave, Crooked Stave yeah. and maybe that was everyone from the States and then we imported some really good cider from um, a premium very very small independent cider place in Finland that I came across on a trip over there last year so we had that involved just because 
it's really good stuff and not everyone who not everyone who came was going to be there for the beer we recognise that so but yeah I think we had 20, 20 something breweries the, U, the UK touch on the UK breweries as well that was a mix of a lot of, a lot of friends who we just made over the years um, you know people I've met on, on trips over to the States from Hop Harvest like Matt from the Lakes mm-hmm. Bruco one of my you know dear friends in the industry now but we met that's where we met in on a trip over there um, so there were there were, there were um, friends in the industry like that, but also it was um, it was really difficult to sort of narrow it down to twenty odd breweries, wasn't it? Because we also wanted to um, you know have have beers on from breweries that we we know their quality and we respect what they do, um, and it was a nice opportunity to then get to you know to sort of. Uh, find a friendship with those guys yeah. and, and, the, yeah. and the name the Suds with Buds was quite sort of double meaning for us because it was obviously I mean we, I think we did that single session and it was 675 tickets so we kept it relatively small it's a big number and it was you know I, I when we looked at it it was so we did it as a break even event which we almost managed um, but we sort of thought you know we've never done this before we've never asked anyone to buy tickets from us to come to our event when we did the open days I'll mentioned it was all just a drop in kind of thing so we kind of thought, well, if we can attract half that number or 400, that would be a good start. Um, and we sold out um, and, you know, hopefully we've we've created a bit of a clamour for when we do it again next year, which we've already set the date for. We haven't done a full debrief or started planning next year, but we do have a date. Um, What's the date? The date, I was just about to come on to it. The date is Saturday, June 29th, um, 2024. Um, so Suds with Buds will be back then. Um We'll, we'll probably get into the start of the new year before we start finalising those plans. But the Suds with Buds name was was born out of we wanted people to come and have beers with their friends at Roosters. But the second part of it was we got to have beers with our friends afterwards. At the start of this interview, I asked you how you felt when you took on the stewardship of, of this brewery. How did it feel once the punters had gone home that day and you'd hold this festival and you, you know, you've talked about all this economic turmoil we're going through at the moment. How did you both feel at that moment, like when you got to sit down and have a beer and just relax knowing that you've celebrated 30 years of the brewery? Um, just following up from you know, what we were saying, it was just, it was, it was incredible. Um, you know, it, it was you know, what was it? 12, 12 years since we'd taken over. But to, for me, it was, it was, we had such fantastic beers to, to drink. But it was actually looking around and seeing who was with us and, you know, um, what we've achieved. You know, they're with us in this, this brewery that we've built. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just think it was it was more just a, it was a, the the whole kind of collective of, of um, being able to sort of celebrate the the thirtieth anniversary, but also just have everyone you know have have so many friends here um, to sort of wind down with um, and experience it all with. Yeah, for me, I was immensely proud and relieved what we pulled off had gone off without a single hitch because there's an awful lot of playing into it going into it and we've pulled we've put on some events at the tap room that have been ones that i personally have worked very hard to pull off and and really had a felt a sense of achievement around but the suds with buds this year i 
properly made myself step back and just take it all in for five minutes at the end. I was very kind of like, this is, you know, you put on the event and you just, you think or you hope you've thought of everything or you hope that there, there isn't going to be something go off that's out of your control that you're going to have to react to and it's going to be a, bring a downer on things. And we nailed it. There was nothing there. So I, I did properly just take five minutes and sort of look around a little bit of all said and sort of like some of my favourite people in the industry are in this building and I'm going to go and have a few beers with them now. But I have to absorb feeling really good about what we've just pulled off. And there we go. Thank you for listening to this bumper episode. And thank you to Tom and all for being so generous with their time, not just sitting down for this interview, but for showing me around the brewery and letting me take loads of photos. I'm working on a written article that will fully contextualize, hopefully, the rooster's story and also how I feel about this incredibly significant modern British brewery. And that will be on the website. I'm going to say soon because regular listeners of this podcast will know if I put a date on something, it's just not happening. I work slowly, I work very methodically, and things take me a lot of time, especially when I'm writing a very long profile of a very important brewery. If you're still here, I would like to have a word about how you can support us. And you don't have to give us any money. I would like it very much if you did. That would be great. I am trying to run a magazine that pays people to produce great content. And you know what? It's doing all right. We're winning awards and stuff. That's really cool. But more importantly than that, we get about 15,000 people come and visit our website every month. And each of these podcast episodes is usually listened to by at least a thousand people. That's amazing. And this is all done with minimal resources and run by three people, mostly in their spare time, except for me, who is pretty much on pellicle all of the time, along with the rest of my work. Very healthy. I would really like it if you subscribe to this podcast, if you don't already, and leave a rating, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which the statistics tell me that's about 80% of you. Leaving a rating takes a couple of seconds of your time. And what it does is if someone listens to a similar lovely beer podcast, it will recommend them this one and help more people find us and enjoy what we do. You can even leave a written review on Apple Podcasts if that's your thing. Some people like to do that. And the other thing you can do, which won't cost you a penny, is if you've really enjoyed a particular episode, is just to tell your friends about it. Share it on your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever social media you use. The whole principle behind Pellicle is we don't pay for advertising. It's all about organic growth, word of mouth. And only if our readers and listeners are sharing what we do, will we reach more people and hit our goals. Our goal at the moment is to try and hit 500 subscribers. At the moment, today, as I record this, we have 406. Our mission statement is reader supported, proudly free to read. It's a statement we came up with last year because being free to read is super important to us. We publish stories and podcasts about beer, brewing, pubs and drinks that we love. It's very niche. It's a niche within food writing. And we believe that this information should be freely accessible. But we're also a business. We pay people really good rates to produce the stories. We pay our editorial team. I pay a little bit of money to myself to try and keep this sustainable for me. And we can only do that. The word is sustainable. The only way we can keep it that way is if we get enough subscribers. So if you find yourself enjoying these podcasts or what we publish every week on pellicalmag.com, then please consider subscribing. 
It costs as little as a pound a month. The £4 a month option is our most popular. It's basically the price of a, a nice pint once a month. And you support a magazine that celebrates nice pints. That seems like a very logical decision to me. A no-brainer, if you will. You can become a Pellicle subscriber by heading to patreon.com forward slash Mag. That's patreon.com forward slash Mag. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes if you just want to click something and go there. You can sign up and your money will go directly towards funding everything we do. And we will be eternally grateful for your support. You can even give us more money if you want. The option's there for you to decide. It's a pay-what-you-feel kind of situation. But one other cool thing that we'll be launching for subscribers, we never planned to, but Patreon have given it to us, is a message board. It's already on the Patreon app if you're using that on your phone, but soon we will have a web message board that all 400 plus of our subscribers will be able to use to chat about beer, food, life, whatever we want really. But we're actually really excited to connect with our subscribers in a space that is our own and we can do what we want with. And that'll be open to all subscribers from the £1 tier upwards. Anyway, I think that's enough from me. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Look out for that article and I'll be back with another episode very soon with an interview with Beer Writer of the Year, David Jesudason, who's written a ton of articles for us and an incredible book called Desi Pubs. That interview took place in front of a live audience at last year's Indieman Beer Con, and it should be out in two or three weeks. So keep a lookout for that. It'll be episode 52. That's it from me this time. I have been Matthew Curtis, and you have been listening to the Pellicle Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us if you're here right at the end. I will see you next time. Bye-bye.